Welcome to Israel Mosaic, Land People Story. I'm your host, Koro Tarod, and I'm coming to you from the Galilee, where my wife and I live. Thank you for joining me today. On today's podcast, I'll be sharing about the age of biological weapons, the releasing of harmful bioweapons on citizens of the world, a possible future biological outbreak, and the antidote. The History of Biological Warfare In an article of the History of Bioweapons, the author shares that in the past century, more than 500 million people died of infectious diseases. Several tens of thousands of these deaths were due to the deliberate release of pathogens or toxins, mostly by the Japanese during their attacks on China during the Second World War. During the Second World War, the Japanese army poisoned more than a thousand water wells in Chinese villages to study cholera and typhus outbreaks. Japanese planes dropped plague-infested fleas over Chinese cities or distributed them by means of spies in rice fields and along roads. Some of the epidemics they caused persisted for years and continued to kill more than 30,000 people in 1947, long after the Japanese had surrendered. The German army was the first to use biological and chemical weapons during the First World War, although their attacks with biological weapons were on a rather small scale and were not particularly successful. Covert operations that included anthrax attempted to infect animals directly or to contaminate animal feed in several of their enemy countries. The evil of bioweaponry cannot be stopped, but two international treaties outlawed biological weapons in 1925 and in 1972. Yet, these measures and treaties have largely failed to stop countries from conducting offensive weapons research and large-scale production of biological weapons. And as our knowledge of the biology of disease-causing agents, viruses, bacteria, and toxins increases, it is legitimate to fear that modified pathogens could constitute devastating agents for biological warfare. The author concludes the article by saying that history tells us virtually no nation with the ability to develop weapons of mass destruction has abstained from doing so, and international treaties are basically useless unless an effective verification procedure is in place. Unfortunately, the same knowledge that is needed to develop drugs and vaccines against pathogens has the potential to be abused for the development of biological weapons. The Release of Biological Weapons on the Public America has had a chilling and deeply sobering history when it comes to their involvement with the use of biological weapons. For over 80 years, millions of American citizens have been victimized and have been taking part in a real war in today's world that many may not know that they are actually in. In an article entitled, The U.S. Has Had a History of Testing Biological Weapons on the Public, were ticks used too? The author outlines the sick history and practice that continues to exist. In 1950, the United States Navy carried out Operation Sea Spray 
by spraying for six days the coast of San Francisco, California, with two types of bacteria where 800,000 people were exposed in the Bay Area alone. Bacterial aerosols were released at more than 200 sites, including bus stations and airports, according to an article entitled The History of Biological Warfare. Eleven people were admitted to the hospital with serious bacterial infections, and one person passed away. The U.S. government claimed that its reasoning for the spraying was to determine the susceptibility of a big city to a bioweapon attack by terrorists. In another article entitled in 1950, the U.S. released a bioweapon in San Francisco, and the author shares that in the following days after the spraying, the military took samples at 43 sites to track the bacteria's spread and found that it rapidly infested the suburbs of San Francisco as well as the city. During the test, residents of these areas would have inhaled millions of bacterial spores. The next year in 1951, at the huge base called the Norfolk Naval Supply Center in Virginia, fungal spores were dispersed to see how they would infect workers unpacking crates there. The majority of the workers at the naval base were African Americans, and scientists wanted to test the theory that African Americans were more susceptible to fungal diseases than Caucasians. In 1966, under Project 112, New York City was the setting for a government-authorized bioweaponized attack. In an article in the National Library of Medicine, it says that scientists filled light bulbs with a non-infectious bacterium used to simulate the release of anthrax and then smashed them on the open tracks in the subway. They wanted to study the spread of a pathogen in a big city. The harmful bacteria travel for miles around the New York metro system, being inhaled by potentially thousands of civilians, and covered their clothing as well. In the book entitled Bitten, the author shares that in the December 30th issue in the 1971 Journal of Medical Entomology, there was a study that revealed that the government was involved in releasing radioactive Lone Star ticks. The author, through her sources, said 100,000 ticks were dispersed in the woods in the state of Virginia. Not only in America. America's deep history of German biological warfare does not end on its own soil and on its own citizens. In order to stop the efforts of Fidel Castro, the American government launched Operation Mongoose. This mission was designed to do what the Bay of Pigs failed to do. It was a covert operation in 1961 that consisted of six phases. In the book Bitten, the author interviews an anonymous CIA agent who confessed that he dropped two canisters of infected ticks over Cuba in 1962 during Operation Mongoose to infect Cuban sugarcane workers. In a 2006 study in the Brazilian Journal of Infectious Diseases, there is an article that reported on the prevalence of antibodies to Borrelia burgdorferi, the spirochete of Lyme disease, in humans in a Cuban village called Sierra del Rosario. This village of 980 people was chosen due to its high infestation 
of the tick population and was the first place in Cuba where Lyme disease was serologically reported. My questions are, how many other countries besides Cuba have been infected with ticks used as bioweapons? If these operations were going on in the 1960s, what is happening now? Dr. Francis Boyle Have you heard of Francis Boyle? He was the human rights lawyer and professor of law at the University of Illinois College of Law. He was responsible for drafting and implementing the U.S. domestic legislation for the Biological Weapons Convention, known as the Biological Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989, that was approved unanimously by both the Congress and Senate and signed into law by then-President Bush. While the majority of media outlets three years ago were falsely promoting the sole narrative of the source of the coronavirus pandemic being linked to wet markets in the People's Republic of China, a bioweapons expert disagreed. Dr. Boyle said three years ago as these reports were coming out that SARS-CoV-2 had all the signs of a genetically engineered bioweapon that escaped from a biosafety level 4 lab in Wuhan, China. He alleges that U.S. researchers helped create it and that thousands of doctors and scientists are hiding the truth. Gary Ka, former U.S. government international trade specialist and best-selling author, recently wrote in his spring newsletter that on March 10th, 2023, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to declassify intelligence information pertaining to the origins of COVID. Congressional investigations are uncovering deceptive and intentional manipulation on all fronts. Their deliberate gain-of-function funding and the subsequent COVID virus release killed millions of people globally and was used to force unapproved COVID vaccines upon the masses. Their actions line the pockets of big pharma vaccine manufacturers while sending the global economy into a tailspin. The Coming Catastrophic Contagion In 2019, the John Hopkins Center for Health Security, in partnership with the WHO and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, organized a simulation of the COVID-19 pandemic called Event 201. In 2022, the same group met again and did another simulation. On the website entitled catastrophiccontagion.centerforhealthsecurity.org, it explains the gathering in detail of the simulation exercise. The John Hopkins Center for Health Security, in partnership with the WHO, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation conducted catastrophic contagion, a pandemic tabletop exercise at the Grand Challenges Annual Meeting in Brussels, Belgium, on October 23, 2022. The group of participants consisted of 10 current and former health ministers and senior public health officials from Senegal, Rwanda, Nigeria, Angola, Liberia, Singapore, India, Germany, as well as Bill Gates. The exercise simulated a series of WHO Emergency Health Advisory Board meetings addressing a fictional 
pandemic set in the near future. Participants grappled with how to respond to an epidemic located in one part of the world that then spread rapidly, becoming a pandemic with a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affecting children and young people. The participants were challenged to make urgent policy decisions with limited information in the face of uncertainty, and each problem and choice had serious health, economic, and social ramifications. The John Hopkins Group simulated the COVID pandemic, and it happened. Now they are simulating a larger pandemic that is worse than COVID. Will it happen again? The World Health Organization's Announcement In an online article in Business Today, dated May 24th, the head of the World Health Organization has urged everyone to prepare themselves for the next pandemic, warning that the next pandemic could be quote-unquote even deadlier than the COVID-19 pandemic. Addressing the 76th World Health Assembly, the Director General of the World Health Organization stated that the end of COVID-19 as a global emergency should not underplay its potential as a worldwide threat, with new variants always a possibility. He stressed on the possibility of new pathogens emerging, ones that could be far more dangerous. The end of COVID-19 as a global health emergency is not the end of COVID-19 as a global health threat, WHO Director General said. The threat of another variant emerging that causes new surges of disease and death remains, and the threat of another pathogen emerging with even deadlier potential remains, he added. An Antidote to the Next Pandemic In an article called The Next Pandemic Marburg, from Bill Gates's organization called Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization, it shares that Marburg, which is the cousin of Ebola, is a possible world threat. Recently in the news, the countries of Equatorial Guinea and Tanzania have experienced Marburg outbreaks that are trying to be contained by health officials. There may be no other continent on earth that has experienced the ravages, horrors, and intentional and targeted programs from epidemics like Africa. Countless lives in Africa have been lost due to laboratory experiments of the human genome. Yet, out of this traumatization and devastation, we have information on what is effective against the poisons of future pandemics and contagions. Writing for the Nigerian online version of the magazine called The Guardian, Chikwuma Muanya shares in an article entitled Herbal Cares for Viral Hemorrhagic Fevers, Hepatitis. He says that the diseases caused by internal bleeding are Ebola, yellow fever, dengue fever, and the Marburg virus. Unfortunately, conventional medicines are failing. The pathogens have developed resistance to the drugs of choice. But researchers doing experimental models have treated these deadly bugs with a combination of local herbs and spices. Scientists have validated local foods and spices such as pawpaw, turmeric, soursop, breadfruit, neem tree, and ginger to be effective in managing viral hemorrhagic fevers. 
Nigerian researchers have identified and validated local plants for the treatment of viral infections, and Nigerian medical professionals have achieved success in treating patients with natural remedies. Overcoming Fear During these sobering days that are inundated with the overwhelming presence of fear, it's important to understand that truth is being suppressed and helpful information is being censored. The prophet Hosea says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God has given us the antidotes to protect both our physical bodies and our spirits from these bioweaponized germs and the fears and anxieties that come with these pandemics. The scriptures provide us with a resting place where we can thoroughly equip ourselves to overcome all of our worries, anxieties, and fears. And meditating on all his promises is life-giving to our minds, bodies, souls, and spirits. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The psalmist writes in Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. The psalmist David writes of fear and overcoming it in Psalm 23. He says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In Isaiah 41, verses 10 through 13, we see the God of Israel sharing comforting words to his people. He says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Psalm 91 is one passage that can bring us the peace that we are looking for. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. For He will command His angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands, 
so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Join me next time on Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story, when I will be bringing you more news from the land of Israel. See you soon.